0: here's a good idea have a
1: point it makes it so much more interesting for the listener you know who's been under a lot of pressure sam page that's right you and john michael lyle talk about that just a few moments ago about the pressure that sam page is under and I, i love it how He comes out this morning and announces with great fanfare, with great fanfare, that he and only he is going to rescue us from the mandates that he gave us. Well, I've got a lot of issues with that. First of all, as you heard Tim Fitch say, under state law, the county executive can't even uh, revoke the mandate. Only the county council can do that. Only the county council can vote to institute it. Only the county council can vote to remove it. So when Sam Page previously uh, instituted the so-called mandate, I'll get to that in a moment, when he issued the mandate, he didn't have the authority to do it. And now that he wants to remove it, he doesn't have the authority to do that either. Like, Sam, come on. you know, At least if you were flipping a coin, you would get it right sometimes. But he he's always on the wrong side of this issue. And I love the quote that he gave. When and this was reported in the Post dispatch today, when he when he talks about he talks about all of the grief, the pressure, as I mentioned a moment ago, that he's gotten from taking this position, and he says I've taken grief from COVID deniers and from anti vaxxers Well, l- let me address both of those for just a moment. First of all, I'm not a COVID denier. Obviously, COVID exists. It's dangerous. We've had millions of people killed around the globe. We've had uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of people killed. We've had Missourians killed. I, I had my my mother-in-law, uh, my stepmother-in-law died from COVID in December. So I'm not a COVID denier, and I'm certainly not an anti-vaxxer. I've gotten both my shots, and I got my booster shot. And probably another year from now, I'll get another one. So I'm neither a COVID denier nor am I an anti-vaxxer. But what I am is opposed to government tyranny. Now, what does government tyranny mean? The word tyranny, it literally means government acting beyond its authority. And that's exactly, exactly what Sam Page has done uh, at almost every step of this process. And the only time that he got it right was after... After the state law was revised, and after the first time that he instituted the mask mandate and it was struck down, the second time it was done correctly by the county council, and then he signed on to it. That was the only time in this entire process the Sam Page has got it right. So I'm neither a COVID denier nor an anti-vaxxer, but I don't want government to act beyond its authority. And in fact, I wrote an op-ed piece for the Post Dispatch. Uh, about three, four weeks ago, pointing that very thing out. And I argued in the post-dispatch opinion piece that Eric Schmidt had it right, that when he challenged these laws, the first time he challenged them, he won. The second time he challenged them, he lost. But Eric Schmidt was correct both times. Why? Because he was challenging the exercise of government authority. So let me put this in a separate context for you to understand how this works if you look at it from a different angle. Look at our criminal justice system. If someone is accused of a crime, conservatives, liberals, independents, everyone, and when I say everyone, I mean statistically, not every single person. But statistically, everyone agrees that if someone can't afford to hire an attorney, that that one should be provided for them, even if they're guilty. So, even if people are eventually found guilty, our society recognizes that it's worth investing the money to pay for defense attorneys to make the government prove that a person is guilty. Why? Because putting someone in jail is very serious, and the government has to meet a high standard to make that happen. And we have to hold the government accountable before they exercise that authority. Well, the same is true in any circumstance involving the exercise of government authority. And so if we agree that even if someone is eventually found guilty, it's worth paying for legal counsel to make sure that the government's authority is kept in check. That's exactly what Eric Schmidt did in this instance, when he challenged when he challenged what Sam Page was doing. Secondly, the second issue that I have here is when he calls it a mandate. Folks, this was never a mandate. And I've even kept this on my phone for the past year just because I, when I walk into a store and I don't wear a mask, I just want someone to challenge me. I, I, I long for that day. No one ever has because I would pull this out on my phone and say, oh, excuse me, the mandate. Here's what the mandate says. and I've got it highlighted. This order does not directly or indirectly close, partially close. Or place restrictions on the opening of or access to any business organization, church, school, or any other place of public or private gathering or assembly. And does not prohibit or otherwise limit attendance at any public or private gathering. And it goes on to state, it doesn't apply to anything. So it's not a mask mandate. It has been a mask suggestion that Sam Page is now withdrawing. And that's fine. But again, I I am upset that our county executive has been lying to us for the past year and a half when he says we have a mask mandate. No, you don't. We did have a mask suggestion, and that suggestion has been withdrawn, even though his withdrawing of the mask suggestion violates Missouri law. So he's gotten it wrong just about at every turn. And my hope is is that when he runs for re-election, people will remember that he's lied and he's violated state law when it comes to the greatest health crisis of most of our lives. That's Dr. Sam Page. Thank you very much, Dr. Sam Page. Uh, We appreciate it. When we come back, we're going to talk to a guy who, and believe it or not, he's an expert on Amazon Reviews. And he's going to tell us, are these reviews really uh, truthful? Are they accurate? Or are they fabricated? Stick around. You're going to want to hear this interview at your service, KMOX. Don't go away.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.
1: I wonder about a lot of things. I mean, for example, just one of the things I wonder about, how is it that the word ambiguous only has one meaning? Uh, How is that? And it's going. hmm, I don't know how that is. The other thing I've always been puzzled about is can you trust any of those reviews that you read on Amazon? We've all done that. Uh, so I, I we're joined this evening by international thought leader, Stephen Pope, and he's here to explain all of these reviews to us. Hey, Stephen, welcome to
3: X St. Louis. Hey, thanks for having me on.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. And before we get into all of this, how is it that you're an expert on Amazon reviews? How is that?
3: Well, I've been uh, selling on Amazon myself for the past 10 years, and I also own an agency called My Amazon Guy with over 200 brands we manage. And uh, here, here's my street creds for you, if you will. If you Google Amazon guy, I beat Jeff Bezos for that number one spot on, <laughs> on so
1: yes.
3: if ever meet that guy, i Yes. That's fantastic. Jeff, how does it feel to be the second most important Amazon guy yeah. in the world? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm so. the Amazon guy, Jeff. Not you. It's me. If, that's If that's I ever had a chance to shake his hand, I'd probably say thanks for helping me create 200 jobs, to be honest. we got to give him some credit. They're half the economy.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I I just wanted to – you said your street cred. I wanted to get that out of the way because I wanted folks to understand this is something that you know a lot about. So let's dive right into this because I've done this. Everybody you know has done this. When I'm I'm looking for something and I read those reviews – I always wonder, Stephen. is this written by people who actually bought the product or, or is it just written by a bot somewhere in Bosnia? I don't know. Tell us about the truth of Amazon reviews.
3: So there's going to be some good news and some bad news. The good news is, is there's definitely thousands of real reviews on Amazon floating around. The bad news is it's hard to tell which are the real ones and which ones are the fake ones. Um, So, you know, there's kind of some really big news that hit in the last 24 hours. Amazon actually went to court and sued two uh, review generators. One's called AppSally and the other one's called Rebatist. And both of them have been incentivizing reviews through rebates and refunds. And so they're they're well under fire right now. And and Amazon's really had a, a really good run up until today. Right. Like they have dominated the space economies going over to Amazon and and one of those you know real factoring points you can think about is if you buy something on Amazon there's like a 15 to 20 percent conversion rate once you hit the product page you compare that to selling or buying on a website websites are pulling in one maybe 3% conversion rate tops so Amazon has built this really big trust with the community well, that trust is a little bit under fire right now mm-hmm. because of how many fake reviews have been caught and incentivized reviews. And so consumers are just, like, wondering, like, you know, can I trust this? So there's a couple of ways a consumer could protect themselves. Okay. Well, I'm going
1: to hold you off there. I, I'm going to get into that in just a moment, Steve, and I want to discuss this idea first, and then we'll get into how can we spot it. But, uh, but when it comes to, like, one of the things that I've seen, and I've bought my share of stuff on, on Amazon – and I see this phrase verified purchaser at the top of a review. Does that mean anything?
3: It does. It means that the person who purchased it has actually purchased it from Amazon.com. So, in the past, when Amazon was first trying to grow the platform, they would aggregate reviews and allow people to say, go down to the strip mall and buy something, you know, maybe a perfume. At the strip mall, and it's you know maybe they bought it for five hundred bucks at the strip mall. It's one of those expensive luxury ones. Well, not a lot of reviews make it over to Amazon for that sort of product, so Amazon would accept non-verified reviews from from those parties. That's really kind of a thing of the past these days. Uh, consumers really won't see a lot of non-verified reviews showing up on the platform. And simply put, that's just because Amazon's the number one place people buy products today.
1: And when you talked a moment ago, Stephen, about Amazon instituting litigation against some of these companies that generate either fake or fraudulent reviews. Amazon has a vested interest. I mean, this is—they're not just doing this out of the kindness of Jeff Bezos's heart. Insert joke here, okay? Uh, But but Amazon would be doing this because those reviews uh, uh, reflect. people's trust and enjoyment of the product and if people can't trust those reviews uh, it's kind of like uh if baseball players take steroids you know you can't trust the product then you won't buy the product
3: i mean that conversion rate where you know one out of five one out of six people are, are making a purchase when they show up to a product page if if consumers lose their trust in the Amazon platform, it will destroy the entire relationship. So Amazon has to really show up and force on this one and really, you know, bear some teeth. And, and quite frankly, I think they'll win the lawsuits. Um, it's very clear in the terms and conditions of the website. And I think the FCC is going to back them up too, because quite frankly, if the FCC is in charge of making sure consumers are protected, right. What better way to protect consumers than to make sure that they understand what they're purchasing and it's not fake. Um, and you know, there's a couple other contributing factors right now. You have the Chinese coming into the direct consumer for the first time coming in from the left, right? And that's going to lower down prices and consumers generally win when prices go lower. However, the Chinese do fight a little bit dirtier and they are definitely engaging in some of these black hat tactics. Another factor that's kind of interesting is on the right-hand side, you got Amazon aggregators coming in. There's about $13 billion that have entered the Amazon space, and these aggregators are buying up brands left and right. And then finally, Amazon is harder to sell on than it ever has been before. It's why I'm in business, and they're uh, they're entering the maturity phase, so they're creating a lot of barriers to entry. So the mom-and-pop seller in the U.S. has all of these competing factors, which is why they might be tempted – to try and generate some of those reviews as well.
1: So, as I see it, and, and we're talking to uh, Stephen Pope, the Amazon guy. So, if you want to, if you want to check him out, make sure you Google the Amazon guy. Uh, but as as I see it, there's basically two strategies when it comes to these fraudulent reviews. Number one is to boost uh, the reviews of a product that you're selling or number 2 to try to destroy one of your competitors products through negative reviews is that essentially it
3: that's essentially it and it's really scary with the negative review boosting as well because you know there's these you know whatsapp group chats going on over in china and they're like hey i'll sell you 20 negative reviews for whatever And and if you think about it, if a listing has 100 reviews right now, and let's say their star average is at 4.5, if you get hit with 20 negatives, that'll take you down to less than three and a half stars. Amazon will then revoke your ability to advertise. You can't run coupons. You're dead in the water. And so it's a really bad thing to happen to an Amazon seller. And they really, there's not a lot of protections they have available other than just saying, hey, Amazon, help me out or file a ticket. And the thing is, Amazon's a buyer's platform. They don't give a crap about the seller's. And so sellers really have to go out of their way to protect themselves. But they're also a little bit tempted at the same time to break a rule here and there because Amazon doesn't help them. Sure.
1: Well, is this a problem just for Amazon? We've been talking about primarily Amazon, but how much does this problem, uh, Stephen Pope, how much does this problem impact other online sellers like Walmart or Target or other retailers?
3: I think every every platform is going to be impacted but amazon's going to be impacted probably at an eight to one ratio and that's just simply because amazon's the first place people go to do product research and so there's just more value behind trying to game that system and speaking of walmart i'm actually really surprised walmart hasn't caught up to amazon they bought jet they couldn't integrate the tech and it's like man a lie. they have all these facilities all over the world and all over the country and i don't know have you have you ever done walmart grocery pickup before I have not. Uh,
1: there's a Walmart just it's very close terrible. to my house, and I go there.
3: It's so terrible. And for your, your listeners that have been there, they know what I'm talking about. You show up, and it's like 30 minutes to get your stuff into your Ooh. car. Now, well, that, that defeats now the whole purpose Target, of it. It does. It defeats the whole purpose. So Walmart is a total disaster right now. I have no idea what they're thinking over there. But Target, that's a that's a company to watch right now. Um, you know, my wife does target pickup like every other day, I swear. And, and and quite frankly, that process, you show up and they're there in less than two minutes flat, you're out. And so if there's a company that's going to catch up to Amazon in some sort of capacity in the next five years, my, my voter dollar would go on target right now.
1: That's great to hear. We're talking to the Amazon guy, Stephen Pope, and I want to tell you that I've become an expert at spotting phishing emails. I can tell when it's, when it's just not right. I can tell when they're looking for something, uh, but I am clueless when it comes to how to spot a fake review. Can you give us some tips on if we're looking at reviews and trying to evaluate whether to buy this product or not, how can we spot fake reviews?
3: I think there's two really great ways to spot a fake review. The first is if you see a high percentage of one-star reviews, but there's still a four and a half or five-star rating, they're basically uh game in the system, right? So let's say there's 30% one-star reviews. That would be significantly higher than the, than the typical like four to six percent average. So if you see a lot of high percentage one-star reviews, chances are the listing is not a good thing to purchase from. The second way is if you actually go in and read the reviews, which not a whole lot of us are going to do that these days if we have to admit, right? Like you're making your buying decision in 20 seconds on Amazon because you know you can get the free return and all that fun jazz. But when it comes to reading the reviews, maybe you're making a little bit more expensive of a purchase. You're actually doing some research or whatnot. Maybe you're buying an air purifier, whatever it might be. If you read the reviews and they have make zero sense, you're you're buying a chef knife, but it's talking about a sponge. <laughs> that is a great case example of when, when an Amazon seller has illegally combined two listings, an old discontinued product that may have thousands of reviews on it, and a new listing with no reviews or limited reviews. And so this is a very common black hack tactic that we're seeing from from some of the smaller sellers or some of the Chinese sellers that are doing this and they hijack a listing and combine them. And so, you know, as a consumer, you can spot that by just saying, yes. yeah, that review makes zero sense.
1: That is great advice. Uh, Stephen Pope, the Amazon guy, if people want to find out more about what you do and the companies that you operate, how can they find you online?
3: MyAmazonGuy.com. We also have 900 videos on YouTube about everything you could possibly imagine about Amazon. I like to joke I'm the walking encyclopedia of Amazon because we've got so much content. So thanks for having me on today.
1: That is great news, and I will be checking that out. Stephen Pope, the Amazon guy, thanks for sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us this evening on KMOX St. Louis. My pleasure. Fantastic. I'm going to check that out tomorrow because we all buy stuff on Amazon. You do. I do. Sometimes we don't like it. Maybe a guilty pleasure, but we do it. And it's great to know how to spot those fake reviews. Hey, we're coming up here on a break. I also want to let you know that we're going to be going to CBS News, I believe, at 950 at 10 minutes till 10 with an update on the Ukraine-Russian crisis. And so stick around here on X. Welcome back to At Your Service. As I mentioned, we're going to be breaking to CBS News at uh, 10 minutes till 10, 9.50, and get an update from CBS News on the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So we'll be uh, keeping an eye on the clock for that. Speaking of Russia, and I mentioned uh, before the break, actually, uh, before our interview with uh, with the Amazon guy, which I'm definitely going to check out what he has to say on YouTube because we all buy stuff from Amazon. But speaking of Russia, uh, I gave you the example that uh, it, this is this may be similar to shock and awe that we saw when the United States invaded, or uh, not invaded, but the, the first uh, Gulf War with Iraq in uh, 1992. So we may see a similar type of shock and awe as Russia goes in. Here's what I'm going to be looking for. We're going to see, and we've already seen the troops amassed uh, on the border, whether it's tanks, ground troops, planes. We're also seeing a uh, a lot of Russian ship activity in the Baltics, in the Baltic Sea, uh, in the Black Sea. So we're seeing them operating on all fronts surrounding Ukraine. But I I happen to be a, a nut when it comes to military technology. I read about this stuff. I enjoy reading about it. So I'm not trying to sound insensitive about the people of Ukraine, and I wish them the best, and I'm glad, I'm very glad. Uh, that we are helping them indirectly to defend themselves by sending them hardware, by sending them anti-tank missiles, by sending them uh, anti-personnel shells that can be fired to stop incoming troops. We are helping Ukraine. But I agree with President Biden that we should not be putting boots on the ground in Ukraine to stop the invasion. So I, I do agree with President Biden. And when I do agree with him, I'm not afraid to say it. But here on the tech side, there's one thing that, that I know, and I can promise you right now, that we have drones in the sky, we have satellites in space, and, and we have electronic listening devices looking for evidence of hypersonic missiles. This is an area where Russia and China is actually ahead of the United States. Now, what are hypersonic missiles? Those are missiles that travel at or faster than Mach six. And why is that important? It's not just speed, but hypersonic missiles do two things that we cannot stop. And if, there's, if there are any hypersto- hypersonic missiles used during this invasion of Ukraine, this will be an opportunity for the United States to see how they work because we don't have any operational hypersonic missiles. First is time. If something is traveling at six times the speed of sound, that means it can travel hundreds of miles in just a few minutes. And to give you an example, our the main ship that's the backbone of the United States Navy, it's called the Arleigh Burke-class destroyer. Those destroyers take about eight to ten minutes to be able to locate an incoming missile, track the incoming missile, bring up the weapons to defend against the incoming missile and then take that missile out takes about eight minutes. Well, if a, if a Russian anti-ship hypersonic missile is fired from a hundred miles away, it'll reach that ship in about two minutes. And so that's not enough time for our current defenses to protect against such an incoming missile. Secondly, when something is traveling this fast, and I've actually talked to physicists who can explain this to me. I'm not a physicist. Listen, I'm a lawyer. I'm not a physicist. But in layman's terms, this is what happens when a missile is going uh, somewhere close to three to 4,000 miles an hour. It's going so fast that the outside shell of the missile, the nose cone of the missile, becomes superheated. And when it does, it creates something called plasma, where the air is compressed and heated in such a way that it becomes literally airborne energy. When that happens, radar cannot penetrate that plasma. So when you've got a missile traveling at at Mach 6 or Mach 7 or Mach 10, not only is it traveling so fast that you can't track it, but because of that plasma cloud that is enveloping that missile at that speed, radar can't penetrate it. So we can't even track an incoming hypersonic missile. We can't pick it up on radar, plot the trajectory, figure out a countermeasure and launch countermeasures, not only because of the speed, but our radar systems cannot even pick up such a missile coming in. So then you're faced with the prospect of a ship, one of our our Arleigh Burke-class destroyers, or perhaps even an aircraft carrier, gets hit by a missile and and they didn't even know it was coming. So for all of those reasons, that's why this is going to be something that's monitored, not just for the humanitarian response, but also to find out what Russia will be using in warfare. Let me give you an example how this was used against us. In 1992, when the United States launched the first Gulf War, China was watching and Russia was watching. At that point, it was the Soviet Union, and it was Russia by then. They were watching us closely because that military maneuver, the first Gulf War, was unlike anything that had ever happened before in the history of warfare. There was no comparison no comparison. You remember there was something in Iraq called the Highway to Hell. And that Highway to Hell was miles long road of tanks that were on fire. And the tanks were on fire because our missiles were being controlled by GPS systems. So every missile that fired was striking their target on a 1 to 1 basis. There were no misses. Statistically, And also our tanks, the M1A1 Abrams tanks, were able to fire GPS-guided rounds, and they had computer targeting systems in their tanks. So one shot from a tank takes out another tank. That had never been done in the history of warfare, ever. And so China and Russia watched that first Gulf War You want to talk about shock and awe. They were filled with shock and awe because nothing like that had ever been seen before. And so since 1992, China and Russia have been uh, uh, patterning, trying to copy what we did in the Gulf War to replicate the success that we had when we took down the Iraqi regime. Because remember, folks, Iraq bought all of their weapons mainly from Russia. So when we went in and turned all of their tanks into molten piles of slag, those were Russian tanks that we were doing that to. And Russia and China looked at that and said, that's what we have. That's what the Americans can do to us. Well, now, at least in this one small area of hypersonic missiles, I believe the Russian hypersonic missile is called the Zircon missile. In that instance, they will be demonstrating a technology— that we have not yet perfected. And so the United States is going to be on the learning end of that curve in a way that the United States has not been since World War II. We will be watching and we will be learning. Now we're more advanced than Russia and China in so many more areas. So I'm not part of that crowd that says uh, uh, China and Russia could defeat us at any time. I'm not in that crowd, but in this one small area, hypersonic missiles both China and Russia are ahead of us now the beauty is is that the United States is is rapidly closing that gap and i expect this year the United States will field hypersonic missiles uh the almost the first hypersonic missile was built right here in St. Louis by Boeing so we will close that gap rather quickly we're not there yet but what i will be watching during this military encounter We'll be seeing if Russia uses this technology, because if they do, this is something that the United States can watch and learn from, just like China and Russia learned from us during the first Gulf War. Now, the political impacts, of course, would be immense. I'm not trying to diminish those. I was just giving you that one example. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to dive into more issues with regard to the pending Russian invasion of Ukraine. At your service, X. Welcome back to At Your Service. And as I mentioned, things are breaking here. I wanted to bring in Sean Michael Lyle. What are we going to hear from CBS News coming up?
4: Well, we are getting reports of missile strikes in Kiev, which is the capital of Ukraine. There is a, a military action that is apparently going on in eastern Ukraine that has just begun. And uh, President Putin announced that. But also getting words of missile strikes in the capital of Kiev. And CBS News has this special report right now on KMOX. CBS News special report, on an unprovoked and unjustified attack by Russian military forces. That is President Biden's description a short time ago of what is now going on in Ukraine, where Russian President Putin has authorized a military move in the disputed eastern part of the country. Correspondent Holly Williams is there. We're
1: actually sounding, hearing what sound like explosions, very loud thuds. I would say more than a dozen of them at this point, beginning at about five past five in the morning. Sounds like explosions. We can't confirm what they are, but of course, the suspicion is that they're missile strikes or airstrikes. I am in the city of Kharkiv, which is only about 20 miles from the Russian border.
4: At the UN, U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield.
2: This is a perilous moment and we're here for one reason and one reason only, to ask Russia to stop.
1: Return to your borders, send your troops and your tanks and your planes back to their barracks and hangars. But
4: as you heard, that is not where they are. CBS News Special Report, I'm Tom Fody.
1: Uh, Hi, we're back here live on Camel X. And and Sean, Michael, Lyle, hey, I want you to get back on the mic because you and I were just discussing during the break uh, uh, the issue of how this is a little bit different and how this came about particularly with the breakaway republics
4: yeah well when you say breakaway republics what what it, it comes down to is that uh, there have been russian separatists uh who have been working in Donetsk and luhansk in eastern uh, ukraine that battle has been going on for eight years and uh th- so so there there has been uh military violence going on there for all that time um and it was just uh, what this past week that um uh, Uh, Vladimir Putin, president of Russia, went ahead and recognized uh, uh, Donetsk and Luhansk as independent nations. Now, everybody knew when he did that why he was doing it, because once you become an independent nation, then you can ask for military assistance from your neighbor, Russia. And that's why everybody was saying that uh, an invasion was imminent. Now, the really odd Thing about this is, while well, um, there are correspondents reporting um, in um, Kharkiv, which is uh, in Donetsk, that they were hearing explosions there, and also those on the Russian side of the border hearing military ar- artillery being fired from that side, that was expected. But uh, the Interior Ministry of Ukraine uh, was saying that it was missile strikes that uh, correspondents like CNN, for example, were hearing in Kyiv which is the capital of Ukraine. Correct. And that's you know that is the one that if there's anything surprising it's that in in and, and that is that kind of goes from trying to pull another Crimea where Russia mm-hmm. takes areas where they have um, uh, some sympathizers in, in eastern Ukraine that escalates that beyond that to being an actual attack on on sovereign
1: ukraine right because as i looked and and was following this with military experts of course we're talking to sean michael lyle here there was a theory that perhaps like and you mentioned uh crimea that putin may just want to move into southeastern ukraine to create a land bridge from russia to to uh the crimea right and just take the southeast portion of ukraine But if if these reports are accurate that we're seeing now that that missile strikes are occurring in Kyiv, that's really an assault on the entire nation of R- Ukraine. Yeah, that is the capital, and
4: that is far from eastern Ukraine. That's more towards the, the north and the northwest, cl- not far from the Russian border. But, yeah, that would be a definite escalation. Now, President Biden, he's uh, at the White House. He, uh, of course, immediately condemned this. Uh, there's a U.N. special uh, session going on right now where the Russian ambassador was explaining about how the Ukrainians were uh, you know, terror the Russians in eastern Ukraine, and that's why they responded to this call for help. Um, President Putin told the Ukrainians who are in eastern Ukraine, uh, Donetsk and Luhansk, to lay down their arms and go home. Um, but, yeah, the, I mean, all of that was expected. All of that was what, uh, you know, the White House has been telling us is going to be happening uh, at any moment. But it is the, the apparent... Missile strikes in Kiev that really have uh, have ratcheted
1: this up. And while I think some of the uh, Ukrainian forces that may have been in southeast Ukraine may have followed the advice of President Putin mm-hmm. and laid down their arms because they might be Russian sympathizers, when you when you get up into northern Ukraine and certainly in the capital of Kiev, those folks are going to fight for their homeland. Yes. Yeah.
4: And that's where it's a very strange situation that if that's what's going on there again, don't. Don't put past the possibility of false flags.
1: So you never know. Very good. Thank you, Sean Michael Lyle, for updating us on that, because these are obviously breaking events. You're going to want to stay tuned here to X. We'll be bringing you updates throughout the show. We'll also have, of course, the Dave Glover Show coming up at 10 o'clock. But even during the Dave Glover Show, we will be interrupting you. Matt Pajeski's is running the board, and he will be updating you with updates from CBS as this crisis continues to evolve in Ukraine, not just in the breakaway republics, as we discussed with Sean Michael Lyle, but also apparently missile strikes in Kyiv and throughout the country of Ukraine. Brad Young sitting in with you this evening on At Your Service. Talk to you next week.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.